Somebody to find Wolf for me. What was a violent conflict between two or more? Ah, uh, can't Riggs. Would you say be a wolf with the pigs, Comrade Paul? Jim, when I figure this stuff, brother, say that every gutter will cross the nation should be considered like your territory. Why not? Well, how about politics? How would you define politics, brother Willis? My name is William Custer of Plus Gus, and welcome to Plus TV. Now, we may have a few technical difficulties, but I'm a technically difficult person. Y'all know me already. But yeah, the idea of the National Plus Coalition is to unite the leaders of various, not just ours, but various organizations and structure them under the Plus umbrella. The Plus Coalition is multifaceted and provide a platform for all individuals seeking to promote social welfare, be it through activism, education, or simple philanthropy. The Plus Coalition utilizes its resources to assist those who are trying to who are trying to and make who are trying to and making a change for the betterment of the people. The Plus Coalition seeks justice and equality for all of mankind and will assist all activists unflinchingly until fulfillment or manifestation. The purpose of this show is to educate, promote, and recruit, and connect. This show will be an outlet to those that have a willing heart and hands, but no megaphone. And I know you guys may be wondering, what is this Gus guy going on, and what's the National Plus Coalition, and what Gus is a part of now, what he's trying to get us to hear? Well, y'all know if I'm trying to get y'all to hear something that's worth hearing. But the National Plus Coalition come from a vision of a person that carry activism right near their heart. And before before we get into the vision, because that's what the basis of most of my shows will be about and this coalition. I want to kind of let you all guys get a good view of the visionary. So before I bring him in, I want my producer to roll the video for me.
You waiting on the video. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right, well, the video going to be here. But I can tell y'all this. In the summer of 1984, July 31st to be exact, it was a Tuesday. The Cubs was playing Philadelphia. It was over 30,000 people watching the game. Chicago lost their baseball game that day. But they gained a valuable, a valuable citizen because on, on that day, our visionary was born in Chicago, Illinois. Particularly, he grew up on the west side of Chicago. And later on in his life, he moved to Mississippi. And that's what we're going to get into when I bring him on. Is the video ready? Do we have the video? Do we not have the video? Okay, well, it looks like we don't have the video. But I would like to go ahead with the show. And if the video is ready later, y'all cue me in backstage. Y'all let me know if the video is ready because I want my viewers to see the video. So right now, without further ado, I want to bring in, bring on our visionary, Brother Kennesaw. Where you at, brother? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Says to the multitude, how you doing? How everybody doing? It's good to have you tonight, brother. How you doing? How you doing tonight? Man, I can't complain, man. Uh, by the grace of the creator, man, I'm surviving. I'm surviving, I'm making, I'm dwelling another another day of the living, you know what I'm saying? Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Now, now before we get into before we get into your great vision to this to the National Plus Coalition, before we start breaking this thing down, before we get to them, I, I want my viewers and I want everybody watching this, I want them to get to know you, who you were from the beginning in the middle and where you are now. You feel me, big dog? So I kinda want you to I kinda want you to, to ask you about 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 from the time you was a small child, you was born, as I understand, in Chicago, Illinois, in the summer of 1984. And you got eight other siblings. T tell, tell me something about your early childhood, like your earliest childhood growing up. What was Chicago like as a four-year-old and then a five-year-old in the 1980s? Man, Chicago was like, like my childhood was just like any other childhood, you know, uh, basically just just trying to live, you know, but on the west side of Chicago, on the west side of Chicago, you know, it was a lot of poverty, you know, it was a lot of, uh, but my family, we came from a very, uh, I ain't gonna say very well off, but we uh, we wasn't really just born for that. I, I, didn't, I didn't come from a, a family that was really just doing without. You know, my, my, my father, he worked, uh, he was like the head electrician at uh, at Amtrak. 
and he was making he was making good bread. So my mom, she really didn't have to work, you know. So uh, that's just how it went right there, you know. But just 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 in my area, and, and you all and stuff, sir. But yeah, and, and, and you all live live as middle class citizens with with nine siblings of one income. How, like, how did y'all make it like that? No, no, no. See, see, the nine siblings, the nine siblings. That's my biological family. Um, I was I was adopted. I was adopted as a child. Me and uh, really all of us, all of my family, we were we were we were adopted. But uh, it was me, my little sister Janet, and my older brother Ricky. We had uh, we had uh, hold on a second. Hold on one second. Now. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, excuse, excuse me, y'all. Um, but yeah, um, we was adopted. We was adopted by the Brown family, and uh, that's the family that I was talking about that was well off. You know, uh, so the nag we was adopted to a family that already had two children. So I got uh, two older sisters by adoption, you know, and it was three of us that were adopted into the family. But uh, my older brother, he was, for some reason, they they end up uh, sending him back to uh, to foster care to the group home, so he kind of like grew up in the group home his whole life. Okay, so you so you basically didn't grow up around all nine of your, all eight of your siblings? No, no, I I, I grew up around one. And I for the most part, you did have a normal childhood. Janet, my little sister Janet. But all the rest of them, I just really just met them within the past like five years. You know, uh, just really just getting just, just getting to know them now since I've been down. And uh, and uh, one of them even passed away. One of them was killed last year in uh, in Parsley. He was like the second one to get killed in all of you know, the uprising that happened. On. Yeah, he was the second one to get killed. I'm sorry to hear that, man. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. So, so, um, did you have any knowledge of your mother as a child, as a, like as a small child in grade school? Um, like, I, I, I did, right? But it was like, it was like, it was, it was. I had no real knowledge of her. I knew nothing of her, you know. But um, I always wanted to know. But uh, the thing was, I didn't know. I didn't know nothing, you know, of my whole history or none of that. You know, I didn't even know that I was adopted until I like fifth grade. Man, my fifth grade teacher, she had uh, messed around and told me. She had asked me, you know, for for so many years. You know, when we come to class, they used to ask me, like, who is Vader Brown? And I'd be like, that's my mom. They'd be like, well, who is Pearl Gray? And I was like, I don't know. And that used to go on, you know, as a, as a child every year that I went to school. And it was just this one time where I asked, I was like, uh, when they asked me, like, who is Veda Brown? Like, that my mama. They said, well, who is Pearl Gray? And I was like, that's, I don't know. Who is she? And, and, and my fifth grade teacher, she told me, she was like, Veda Brown is not your mom. That's your guardian. Pearl Gray is your mother. And I was like, Nah, you know, and she was like, "No, you adopted." 
she started breaking down what adoption was, and I was like, "What?" I, you know, and as a, as a, as a child in fifth grade, that really kind of threw me for a loop. You know what I'm saying? Because at that time, I didn't know that I was adopted. You know, so even even knowing what it was, so yeah, that really threw me for a loop. That was like when I really just you know, stopped flipping out. Okay, and and did you uh, how did you take this back to your parents at home? How did you take this back to Mr. and Mrs. Brown? The information with your teacher, you know, gave you school. Man, hey, when I when I took it back, I went back home. I I, I went back home. I was like, Mama, Miss Butler says you ain't my mom, and she just flipped out. She was like, uh, I'm the only mother that you got. I'm the only mother that cared for you and, you know, a whole lot of different other stuff that I care not to um, say, you know, but uh, she spoke real, she spoke real firm about her being the only one, you know, and that kind of, that kind of, like a lot of, you know, back in the days when you were a child, you know, you ain't trying to hear nobody talk about your mom, you feel what I'm saying? So it's like, as people talking about your mom, you know, that was that was taking somewhere, even though I didn't know, her. even though I didn't know my mother, you know, mm-hmm. it still threw me for a loop. You feel what I'm saying? But, And I, I and I'm asking this question for my viewers because I know they probably be wondering now. Maybe even like with the with like, <laughs> was there ever? And once did your mother, Miss Brown, ever confront that teacher for telling you that information? Man, man, mom's almost went to jail that day. She came back up there. <laughs> she came back up there, man. I'm talking about they had to call the police. I never forget, you know. And um, and at that time, I ain't understand what was going on, you know. Um, I think they had. I can't remember what they did to the teacher. They didn't fire her or nothing like that. But um, uh. I just know the only thing I can remember is, you know, my mom, she, they had to call the police to get up out of there because she really wanted to fight that woman. And uh, but I just know that that's when my life started changing. My life really started changing right then. I really became, that's like when my thuggy stage started coming about. Okay. Well, it's 16 minutes past the hour right now. We got a lot going on in the Plus Coalition. And I wanted to just stop for one second, if it's okay, to take a little break to let y'all know that every other week, every other week, Plus Production, have we, we have nightly shows. Last night, we had the LO Behind Bars featuring Sarah, Maria, and Nicole. And on that show, I, 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 I like watching it. It's these three ladies on here, they, they kind of inspirational. And you can learn a lot from them too. And what, what they're discussing is that the injustices and the differences and the main ones, the hot topic was that of the Mississippi Department of Correction. Y'all should check them out on Monday nights. On Tuesday nights, you right here with your boy Gus on Plus TV. Me and my comrade R.J. Miller, he's not on tonight, but he's y'all saw him in, the, in Wednesday night. We got live and straight out of parchment with Sarah, 
Sean, and KO. Y'all check them out tomorrow. That's tomorrow night. Friday night, we got Plus News with Jay, Renee, and Lynn. And they, they are tonight. That's every Friday. That's not every other Friday. And this Friday, they're going to have Jay, Renee. Jay, Renee going to be on there giving us the news this Friday. Now, next week, though, next week, next week, bro, bro two from Oklahoma, Toucan Sam from Mississippi, Prince Akili X from California, Brother Bernard from Alabama, and the Anonymous 2 from Georgia and Florida. Make y'all check them out. They, they got a whole panel like they These guys from different states, they're incarcerated in different states, and they on this panel with my sister Brooke. Make y'all check them out. Y'all check them out. Okay, now I want to get back to my interview with the visionary of the National Plus Coalition. And now, and we was discussing his childhood from the time he was born up and basically into the fifth grade, which was a big turning point in his life. He found out, knew that he was adopted. He had never knew that. And now I kind of want to basically delve into your life at home. And I kind of want to start with religion because I know a lot of black people, especially in Chicago, a lot of them are kind of like is from Mississippi and it's Chicago, it's Chicago and Detroit. There's like gospel city. So, if you can tell us, tell me something about your um your religious affiliation, like your denomination, if you're Christian. Well, uh, I was raised in a, I was raised in a, in a in a in a Baptist home, and man, when I tell you, that's what my family did, man. I'm talking about it was mandatory. Ain't no such thing as ain't no such thing as you're not gonna go to church or whatever. You know, we was going to church. We, we was in church. We was in church every Saturday, every Sunday. We was in this church all day Sunday. <laughs> you know, all day Sunday. Oh, man, we're going to Bible study. Then my father, that's the way he used to, uh, that was a sign mm-hmm. job. He used to go clean up the church. So um, I had a real strong upbringing. In the in the in in the church, so uh, and, and I was always a leader as well. So me and uh, yeah. a few of my friends, we had started what we called the uh, the junior usher board. We started the junior deacon board. We had a lot of different things going on, you know. But uh, as as uh, I end up coming to prison, as I end up coming to prison, you know, my religious affiliation uh, began to, to change. You know, whereas I, I became Muslim, I became Muslim in 2002. You know, so, so, uh, you know, the, 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 I, ain't, I ain't one of them real religious type. You know, I ain't gonna just say I'm, I'm, I'm very religious or nothing like that, but I'm one of the ones that, you know, I'm, I believe in what I believe in. I'm gonna just say it like that. They can't answer your question. Hi, huh, bro.
It looks like we're having some technical difficulties. Gus, are you back? You're on mute, Gus. Unmute yourself. All right. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I told my audience before the show started that we may have some technical difficulties because I'm a technically difficult person. Hey, guys, so we also have the video right ready. Okay, now, I was b b before I was cut off. Okay. I, we I was saying we have second. the video ready if you want to see that. Before. We'll we, 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 we in a moment. B before, I was, before I was cut off, um, I was asking you about your hobbies as a child. Any hobbies you want to share with us? Yeah, I used to draw. I used to really like drawing. I could, I was able to draw any, basically any cartoon that said, you know, that, that that I looked at. I never got to the point where I was able to draw portraits, you know. But as the more I drew, the older I got, uh, you know, the better my my talent had became. But I end up, you know, it take a lot of patience to draw. I, the older I got, I started losing patience. Okay, and hello. How how did you get into you know how did you get into basketball? Was it a community thing or uh, yeah? Uh, basketball. You can hear me. That's, that's what's up now. 
Now, it, 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 it's, it's the irony day is, is really, I don't know, I don't want to use, because they're almost up until, from the time you was born, up until where you were, they almost kind of seemed like my life, you know what I'm saying? I, I never could draw, because I was ambidextrous, and I used to have issues, like, because sometimes my dominant hand would change. So drawing was never my thing, neither was basketball. And and it was mainly because you know my dominant hand would change, but my thing was I had to, we had to go to school, and we went to church. We was in church. We was in, we was in the choir. We was we went to Sunday school, Bible study, youth congress, missionary society, senior choir practice. I mean, I was even at church on Women's Day. You feel me? And it's it's kind of like your, your your story resonate with almost mirrors my life story, you know what I'm saying, from the time I was a toddler up until I was about 15 or 16. Um, and I also grew up in the Baptist church, Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church, Greenville, Mississippi. Shout out to my church. All right. I almost said amen right there because I'm a real Mississippi church boy. So, yeah, like, you know, so were there any like, you know what I'm saying, traumatic experiences, you know, like experiences of grief? Like, Like was there well, any any loss of loved ones, anything there? Well, uh, I had uh, you know, my grandfather died, but I was really just too young to really just understand that. But but my first actual death that was kind of close to me was uh, my best friend, another one of my best friends from the hood. Uh, he had an overdose. He had an overdose on um, on heroin. And uh, it happened right in front of me. And we used to, man, we was kids, we about 13 years old, about 12, 13 years old. And he was like 14, he might have been like a year older. And uh, we, used to, we used to get high in this car. We had had one of our, uh, one of our partners, she used to let us use our car. So we used to go in our car and just smoke weed and just fall asleep. Just, you know, like we basically lived in this woman's car. And um, and we just went to sleep one night, and it was about about three four of us. And I rolled, I, I I woke up, and it was just he was there. I'm talking about sliding out the mouth or whatever, you know. But I ain't really think he was. I ain't think he was dead. I ain't think he was dead, you know. But so me and my partners, we just left. We just left. Mm-hmm. We tried to wake him up. He won't wake up. Like I say, we didn't think that he was dead. We just thought we just got real high last night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was on our mind. But we found out, we found out later on that day that, you know, he had overdose. He had died. So, so you, you, you guys in Chicago, and you said you was about 13 or 14. Uh-huh. So right, you, right. you guys had access to those type of drugs at that age? And, and, and you and you did man. live in a two-parent home. Right. Right. Man, Stable man, middle class. This, this the hood, man. I'm talking about. So man. Yeah, uh, tell us about it. And, and this the night, right? And, and this also man, the nineties, right? Say it again. Say it again, bro. I say, th- and, and not only did Chicago and the hood 
I say not only is this Chicago and the hood, this is also the 1990s post-crime bill, am I right? Hell yeah. Man, hell yeah. So you got no bed So so we we at the man at that time, I'm slow sled selling dope, and I'm slow sled gangbanging. You know, that was my everyday, that was my thing, you know what I'm saying? So it was like some type of drugs was nothing for us to to be around. You know, the guys that we looked up to was the big homies in the hood. You know, so uh, by that time I had left the I had left the crib. I wasn't even I wasn't even man, I'm, like I said, I would be basically living in an old girl car. You know, I like when, when, when I find out about my adoption, man, it really was over with, man, as far as on some being a good boy, church boy, it was a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't I was in the streets. You know, and that was like, that was like 10, 10, 11 years old, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's how they went right there. You know, so even when he died, honestly, when he died and they told me that he overdosed, and me and my guys, we really just shook our head and just kept going, you know. That's the type of mentality. That's, that's where we come from. I think All right, well, it's, mm-hmm. Hello? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Well, it's, it's, it's 32 minutes past the hour, and I, it's 30 minutes to hour going on, and we got it. And if I still got Sister Brooke backstage, I want to bring her on in and so my viewers can. You, you there, Brooke? Is Brooke Maria backstage? Hello, guys. Okay, how are you guys tonight? I see can you, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. What's up, Brooke? How are you doing? Are you, are, are you with us, Brooke? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Are, are you with us, Brooke? Yes, can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. How you doing? Welcome to the show, Brooke. Welcome to the show. Yes, yeah, so I think you wanted me just yeah, to give I, some I information well. about our well. Okay. Um, I was letting my audience know about the new Jim Crow event, the virtual event the, well, the first time i want to give them is the date tell them tell them the date and the dates and the times of this event and the schedule and where they could where they can find this event at before we get into the details of what the event actually is okay so it's going to be all virtual from september 13th through september 17th so it's monday through friday that week and it will be live on the national plus coalition page and we are also working on having it on eventbrite All right. All right. All right. And could you give us a little just give just give my audience a little insight on what the, what we'll be discussing and what will be going on um, it's virtually. Um, yes. So the event is about the new Jim Crow. 
We will be discussing issues, policies, and legislation. Are you still there, Brooke? You still with me, Brooke? Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me okay? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you well. Okay, you can hear me. So it's about the uh, new Jim Crow. It's about policies and um, legislation that causes racial and economic disparities and is one of the causes for the mass incarceration within the United States. So we will be the one, I mean, so we the event will be talking about those issues, but we are also combining it with um, a call to action also. There'll be more information given out, you know, shortly in regards to the call to action. But right now we are asking other organizations that is interested in collaborating on this event to reach out to us at the National Plus Coalition. All right, and, and would you like to um, just enlighten my um, audience, just just basically tell them something about the issues of mass incarceration, not only in Mississippi, but in this country, and specifically in Mississippi, if you have, you know what I'm saying, you, can, you may opine on it if you want to. Just, I, I kind of want to get my audience, like I want to educate them on some of the issues with mass incarceration. So could you just, you know, give them a little, a, a little sprinkle of it? The issues of mass incarceration yeah. and possibly what, you know, the origins of it or the issues. Um, well, honestly, it starts in your youth. It starts with the school to prison pipeline. Children are not properly educated, especially, I want to say here in Mississippi, the schools um, do not provide an adequate education. They're not adequately prepared with dealing with kids that might have, you know, mental issues, um, psychological issues or a bad home life. And that's just not in Mississippi. That's across the country. Also with things like ADHD, they just want to medicate and they're not coming up with good solutions. So what's happening is they kick these kids out of school and the kids then start getting in trouble. That leads to a lot of times, you know, youthful offenders, these youthful offender laws. Then you got the habitual offender laws. You got the extreme sentencing for you know, nonviolent drug offenses. Um, I could go on all day for that, but that's just a little bit of what new mm -hmm. Jim Crow is. And then also when it, you know, also dealing with poverty, yeah. a lot of it comes from the low class and um, people that don't have, you know, a lot of means to, to, to survive. They do things literally to feed their children um, and basically just to, to survive life and they end up in prison for it. I couldn't agree with that commentary more, especially the school of pipeline. There, and before before this uh, this little commercial go off, I I just want to allude to some it was some educational research. They say if your the research proved that if your child isn't reading on grade level by the third grade, the likelihood for them dropping out of school or not getting a high school diploma is is likelihood of you going to prison if you don't complete high school. So it's almost that's how they can determine how many prisons they're going to need in 20 years by how many people fail the third grade. But I got to get back to my interview. It's nice talking, which I know this is going to be a great event. I can't wait. Give us those dates again. Um, September 13th through September 17th. September 13th through 17th. That's the new Jim Crow virtual event, National Plus Coalition. 
All right. Thank you, Brooke. It was good having you. All right. Now I'm back. I'm back with the visionary of the National Plus Coalition, Brother Kennesaw. Brother Kennesaw is a native of Chicago, Illinois. He's now in custody in the Mississippi Department of Corrections, and he have a story to tell. And we are here to get it tonight. This is the visionary of this podcast that you see me on right now. And this vision is much bigger than himself and myself and his TV show. And I want you guys to get to know him. And so when y'all start watching my shows, y'all know the visionary and the vision from which these shows come from. So we back with Brother Kent Assad. Now, let me get back to what I have. We back. We live. You, you, you hear, Brother Kent? Yeah, I'm here, bro. I'm here, bro. I'm here. Uh, all right. Yeah, b- b- before we went on break, we were basically discussing, you know what I'm saying, how, you, how your life was in Chicago, you know what I'm saying, and basically the hood. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of the obvious, you know, and I see your life was just as normal as any other, you know what I'm saying, the majority of the other kids in Chicago. You had your, you know what I'm saying, your ups and downs, but now, the last time basically we was talking about was your friend who was 12 or 13 years old. And how skilled you was in basketball. You were in basketball. Now, at this point, you in Mississippi. How and when did you end up in Mississippi? Tell us how you got to the South. Well, um, man, I'm 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 gonna keep it all. I don't tell. I don't tell. Um, I don't tell too many people too much or nothing, man. Honestly, man. But uh, the way I got it was a mm-hmm. um, I had start I had start hustling. <laughs> I started selling dope up there for one of the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. All right, because I had been hustling, but I had started selling dope for one of the wrong guys, and uh, it gave me a whole lot of work, bro. And when they gave me that work, when they gave me that work. I didn't even get a chance to count it because I got jumped that same day. So when I got jumped, when I got jumped, they took everything. They robbed me, they took everything from me. So uh, first thing go to my head, just don't go back to the hood no more. Just don't go back to that hood. So uh, about three months went by, about three months go by, and I was standing on the bus stop with a couple of my guys and the dudes who I owed them, they, they, they had drove by. They pulled by and they seen me. So when they seen me, I took off running and they ended up catching me. They, they, when they caught me, they threw me in a car and everything, took me somewhere. Long story short, had me selling dope for two, three days or whatever. They kidnapped me, did what they did for about two, three days until I got a chance to get away. All right, when I got away, when I got away, my mom and I was like, man, we got to do something. We can't stay up there, you know. The way she found out that I had got uh, kidnapped was through my girl, my girlfriend at the time. She went home and she told him. She was like, they got him, they got him. And, you know, um, so by the time I made it back home, I was like, man, we just got to go. We got to go. So um, we ended up moving to Mississippi. At that time, I was on uh, probation, too. I was on probation for another for another job. So we moved to Mississippi, and I was in pursuit of joining the military, trying to get my record and everything expunged. You know, um, I had a real messed up record. I had to uh, 
cop out. I had to I had to plead guilty to a whole lot of stuff to get. Well, I had to plead guilty to one thing to get rid of a whole lot of things. So it's like um, mm-hmm. I, I chose to join the military. I chose to join the military to kind of clean up my record. Even though I was a child, I was still a kid at the time. You know the uh, the uh, the recruiter, the recruiter. He was gonna clean things up, and he was gonna place me where you know where you know he was gonna make some he was gonna make some boss moves for me in the military. So uh, that's how I ended up moving to Mississippi. But uh, so when I came to Mississippi, I got in this tra- train the game program in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and it just didn't go right, man. That time, you know, I still was I still was game banging. I still was in, in the streets real hard, so it didn't go right. And uh, that's basically how I got to Mississippi, right there. You know, what I'm saying, trying to get running from Chicago, running from Chicago with the with the, with the, uh, with the case and everything, coming to Mississippi. You know, trying to do right. I was always trying. You know, once I got to about once I got to about 14, I really was trying to do right. I was, I was trying to do right. But it was like my past just kept hunting. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and so like after you after you arrived to Mississippi, I, I, I on a personal level, what what was it like culturally? Like the difference? It, can you can you explain to my viewers like the difference? Like you 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 coming from Chicago to Mississippi? Like the the vibe, the you know what I'm saying? Tell us what that like. Were there any social anxieties? Were there any ways, what what was it like for you? I'm trying, you know, um, it's not, it's, 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 it's just straight black people, straight hood. You feel what I'm saying? Ain't no white people. You never see no white people in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm from. On time, you're going to see a white person, they might have been teaching school, or they was coming to buy some dope, or they was going to come lock our ass up. One of them three, one of them three exceptions, that's the only time you're going to see somebody, you know, uh, uh, that's non black. <laughs> In, in 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 my neighborhood, so uh, you know mm-hmm. we used to we used to travel back and forth from Mississippi. I mean, from Chicago to Mississippi, we used to spend the summers in Mississippi. But you know, it wasn't you know it was when we come down for the summertime, we really at Grandma's house at Madeira house, you know, family reunion or something like that. But so we never really just was out socializing. But my mom used to always tell me. She, she used to always look at things differently and tell me to 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 straighten up certain kind of ways because the white folks are gonna kill you down there in Mississippi. That was she used to always say, you know what I'm saying? You can't go down there. You can't you can't you, you gotta straighten your head up. Them white folks ain't going for that down there in Mississippi. You can't talk to the white man down there like and I'm like, man, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of had, you know, uh, uh, you know, but like I said, I ain't know nothing about no white people. I've never grew up around white people at all. So you know, yeah. I, I ain't, I ain't been around the white people until I'm 14 years old. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of a, a, a hell of a transition, and on some real, bro, they was slick. They was slick races where I'm where, where I moved to. 
in, in, in the Franklin County area. Mm. You know, Roxy, Mississippi, all up through there. Roxy, Man, B, Media, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they slick, they slick racing down through there, man. They ain't, you know, they, hey, hey, them white folks ain't friendly down. <laughs> man, you know, and and that's the country. That that whole county is rural. Yeah, 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 for real, man. So it was a hell of a transition. Let me just say it like that. Okay. Okay, well, we, we, I want I want to pause right quick because, like I've been saying all night, we got a lot going on in the National Plus Coalition, the Plus Production, the Plus TV, and the Plus Party. And last night, y'all probably missed it. The LO, the loved ones behind bars with Sarah and Maria and Nicole. Tonight, you got your boy Gus and Plus TV with our visionary and our founder, Brother Kenneth Sod. Tomorrow, you're going to have live and straight out of parchment. With Sarah, Sean, and KO is gonna be on the National Plus Coalition page. Look us up on Facebook. It's gonna be streaming live tomorrow on that page and on StreamYard and on YouTube. Check us out, the National Plus Coalition, live and straight out of parchment. One of the most informative shows on TV is streaming live right now. Y'all got to catch it tomorrow. And Friday, this coming Friday, we got plus news featuring your girl Jay Renee. Don't miss it. All this gonna be on the National Plus Coalition page on Facebook and on YouTube, and it's gonna be streaming on StreamYard. Act like y'all didn't hear me. Act like y'all didn't hear that. I'm gonna see y'all there. I'm gonna see y'all tomorrow and live straight out of the parchment. I'm gonna be watching too. And I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back with Kent Assad, our visionary for the National Plus Coalition and this TV show and this podcast. Yeah, your boy Gus is live with the visionary tonight. And we was from people and he came from cook county illinois to franklin county mississippi and if you know those two counties you don't even have i don't have to explain to you what our conversation was just like uh, about <laughs> from cook to franklin county that's the story hey that's the story okay now i don't i don't i don't i don't want to i don't want to to violate none of your fifth amendment rights my brother so i don't want to get into details on why you in prison or what you in prison for or what even your charges are. Are you, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm here, bro. I'm here. Okay. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to get into why you in prison because that's public record. If anybody wanna know that they can go find it themselves. That but I do want to get into some of your experience in prison because I'm assuming that 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 this flame for activism came from your experience in prison. So what year was it? What year was it that you were, that you arrived in, into the Mississippi Department of Corrections? Uh, 2001. Well, two, I landed where? Inside the Mississippi Department of Corrections in 2002. Green County, to be exact. 2002. And, and, and where, where did you... Green County, the bottom of the barrel. The bottom of the barrel, Green County. And, and how old were you in 2002? You about 18, 17, 18, maybe? Something like that. So you, you're basically a young man. And so what, what was it like from, you know what I'm saying, basically being independent on the street and, you know what I'm saying, moving from Chicago to Mississippi and now you are in prison? What, what, what was it? 
just the entry experience, like coming to prison, your first time in prison, coming on the zone, seeing those guys, your first um, meal plate. Tell well, us what, 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 what. I was, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I was scared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, ain't nobody, you know, I heard a lot of people speak and say that they wasn't afraid, they wasn't scared. I was scared, you know, but I was one of the ones that was scared and go hold up rather than being scared and fold up, you know. So, um, man, I stepped, I stepped foot, I stepped in hard, bro. I'm talking about I stepped in hard, you know, uh, and seen a whole lot. Been through a whole lot throughout these years. Been through a whole lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in tune with like how, especially MDOC, how things, especially the politics of prison. If you can see at the bottom of, of this banner, say when hood and politics combine. But actually, prison itself have its own rules and its own politics. Can you agree with me uh, with, with, on it? Most definitely. Most definitely. Prison have prison have its own sense of politics, and sometimes politics. Prison politics can come to find you. Prison problems can come find you when you don't have, when you are, it can find you blind, and you could be totally unaware, and it can totally not have nothing to do to you, do with you. And I want to know, did you have any experience like that? Like, did you catch any heat or any hell, any, you know what I'm saying, negative or bad experiences off something that you didn't start, like inadvertently, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Um, it was another, uh, it was a situation that happened where uh, basically uh, what I'm going through right now, where I end up, uh, I end up uh, assaulting a few officers, you know, uh, basically trying to save one of the guys that, uh, one, one, of, the, one of the guys that was in uh, an organization with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I end up catching some time behind it. They gave me eight years. They gave me eight years for the assault, you know, and I did like a year. I did like 14 months, 14, 15 months lockdown because of the incident. And when I got out the hole because of what I did, you know, I ended up getting stabbed about it. That's part of the politics. You know, that was one of the first time, that was That was the first time that I got stabbed right there. Well, I ain't going to well, Ain't the first time that I got stabbed, but I'm gonna say that's like one of the first incidents where you know I became like what they call the business. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got hit by I got hit by uh, I got hit by I think it was six times. Got hit by six times, man. They cracked my skull. They broke my ribs. You know. It was it was a real serious incident. So with with, with being injured like that, cracked skull and, and broken ribs and, and multiple stab wounds and things like that, you had to you had to seek health care, right? So was was there adequate health care available for you? Uh, honestly, uh, the way it went down, you know, after it happened, I just went to my cell. I just went to my cell and. Uh, I was beat up so bad, the guys that beat me up went and got me some medical help. <laughs> That's how bad I was. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was beat up. 
and, and see, that, that's another one of them things that people that wouldn't, wouldn't really understand the politics of prison and the rules of prison. When Kevin Gates say penitentiary rules in effect, everybody, you know what I'm saying, jam and throw their hands up, but they don't really know what that means because they don't know what the penitentiary rules really are. They don't understand. They can have you over there, you know what I'm saying, dying on their zone when they know they done harmed you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I, I know a lot of people wouldn't understand and maybe even sound, you know, crazy and unfounded to them, but they just, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I know you, you don't, you, you probably live your life there at a time and it's not, you don't worry about it, but I, I'm really sorry you had to go through all that. But like, I do kind of want to talk about, so the medical attention that, that you, that, that came, that you received as a result of this, was it inside the prison where you were able to go out and no, I, um, get professional I had to go help to, out, you know what I'm saying, outside the prison? Yeah, I had to go to, uh, to the ER, and I said I see you. I said I see for about uh, for about twenty five days. You said I see you for twenty five days. Yeah. Now, so you went yeah. after the incident. You went back in your cell without no medical attention, without nothing. But when you got to where you where to the hospital, they felt the need to keep you in ICU for twenty five days. You was pretty messed up, brother. Do you yeah, remember how you was transported yeah, to the hospital? I ain't recognized myself, bro. I ain't recognized myself when I looked in the mirror for about two weeks, bro. I was, yeah, I was, yeah, I was down bad. I ain't gonna lie. But you know, it's the thing about pride. Ain't nobody trying to catch out. I don't. I ain't never been a tiger, bro, from nothing. So you know, uh, that was the only way they were gonna get me up off the zone. Was like that. Or in a body bag, one or two. Just, just, just then, you but, said you, 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 you didn't want um, to catch out or nothing. Can you explain to my audience the best way you can in your own words? Catching out. Explain to them what they mean. Uh, catching out is basically yeah. uh, running. You and know, don't scare you, them. Uh, don't scare my viewers. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically you you running. You uh you didn't did something to uh you scared. You 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 leaving because you didn't did something you ain't had no business doing. Basically, <laughs> we're catching up. Yeah, in some other states they might call it uh what they call it uh uh shit catching out. I mean catching out and catching out. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, I wasn't trying to catch so, out. So what, that's what happened. So would it be your your experiences inside the prison after you've been after being incarcerated that that lit that activist flame in you for reform, yeah. reform and equality? And the importance of knowing the law and educating our people. Would you say that 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 your 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 prison experience was the climax of that? Because I'm sure a lot of the lot of the factors in your past alluded to that. But would you say that your experiences in prison is what basically changed you from? You still with me, brother? I'm basically say, yeah. I'm gonna basically say that 
if it wasn't for prison, I wouldn't be who I am today. I'd probably be dead, you know. And uh, if it wasn't for the things that I went through in prison, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today, you know. So it's like for those that have seen me transition from just being there, that, that young gangbanger that came in with those two sentences and, you know, did what he did or whatever. And I, you know, I transitioned. Those are seen, they seen me transition. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, um, the reason why I did the transition, the way I did the transition is because I'm knowing how, I'm knowing how, I'm knowing that there's a lot of guys out there that's like me. You feel what I'm saying? The way I grew up, you know, I grew up mm -hmm. vice lord. That's where I grew up. And couldn't nobody tell me nothing but vice lord. I would have went against my mama for vice lord. I would have went against my daddy for vice lord. I would have went against the preacher, the church, the school, mm -hmm. the president, whatever, for vice lord. So, you know, and vice lord never really just led me right. <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? So it's like, so my point mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm not saying that it led me wrong either. I'm not going to say that. I want to clean that up. I'm not going to say that it led me wrong, but I'm going to say that as I start going wrong, it never corrected me. You see? So I knowing that if I was like that, it was a whole lot of other guys out there that's just like that. You know, that's, that's claiming that to be vice lord, genie, mm -hmm. blood, crip, or whatever, you know? So it led me to become a voice and a leader for those that's rocking just like I'm rocking. You know, I wish I did have some of them uh, them old school brothers, them elders and stuff from the city to, let, to, read, to raise me right, to tell me, man, put that dope down, go your ass to school, or stop gangbanging like that, this ain't no mm -hmm. gang. You know, stop twisting your fingers up like this. You know, now nah, they didn't teach me that type of stuff. You know, so uh, uh, now that's what I see. That's what I. That's what I end up becoming a better dude because I'm knowing it's a lot of righteous ass youngsters out there that's trying to do right and just need some guidance. That's for real. They just need some guidance. So I transition, bro. Mm -hmm. I transition. And by the grace of the creator, you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, I'll be touching base out there, man. You know, hey, that's just, yo. Creation of the National Plus Coalition. And plus, tell my tell my um my audience the inspiration you got for, for plus and what 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 plus actually means. Plus, the, uh, the uh, plus is basically you go to the concept of plus. Positive leaders united in solidarity. All right, but as I tell many other members, and this is a very important. That was a very important question, or this is a very important answer. How we want you to look at it, you know. But plus is more than an organization plus it's more than a coalition 
Plus, there's a mentality that every righteous activist or every every righteous advocate or revolutionary says that he is. If you are, if you call yourself an activist, but you are not a positive leader and seeks to unite with other positive leaders in solidarity, then it's something wrong with you. Same thing for any revolutionary. Anybody, any righteous standing man, you feel what I'm saying? So, plus it's a mentality. It's many organizations out there that are plus and don't even know it. It's many, it's many other organizations out there that are plus and haven't even come to the reality, haven't came to the understanding that that's what it is. You feel me? But the whole thing, the whole, the whole point is starting with those that have influence and basically the steps in which I break it down is it starts with the man in the mirror and then it goes to the man that's in the house with you then it goes to the man that's in the community with you and so on and so forth I'm not going to leave my leave my bedroom looking in my mirror and completely just jump out there in the hood and get to telling people what this is the way we need to do this and this is the way we need to do that and my, and my house ain't in intact. In you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not finna tell the people that's inside my house to do this and to do that and me myself personally ain't intact. You feel what I'm saying? So it's steps and it's goes and it's degrees to everything. You know? So, uh, and I break that down in, our, in my book, you know, The Resurrection. You know, I break down the degrees or the, or the, the levels and the stages that ones go through when it come down to activism. You feel what I'm saying? Because a lot of people don't know it, bro. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, this is this is our visionary and our founder, Brother Kenneth Saad. And before we go, we we out of time, but I'm not gonna leave without plugging in tomorrow's show live and straight out of parchment, eight o'clock, featuring Sarah, Sean, and Ko. Y'all tuning in to the National Plus Coalition. I, um, I appreciate your brother Kenneth Saad, and I kind of I, I do want to bring you back maybe in a couple of more of my shows and some of the um and some of my topics kind of gonna kind of touch on a lot of things you said tonight so i'm gonna have to bring you back for a couple of my shows within this season it was good having you guys god bless you all and it's plus that's my time